Get ready to rock radio. This is Pete Feenstra, getreadytorock.com. Talking to Steve Hackett, composer, guitarist, and for over 30 years a solo recording artist. Yeah, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes, solo. People often held back to your original career, but in fact, how many albums have you done now? Oh God, it's getting on for nearly 50, I think it's about 47 albums or so, but uh, it's with Genesis and... Yeah. Uh, and post that time, of course, and one that I did before I joined Genesis. So, uh, yes. yeah, I've got them coming out of my ear. But we're here to talk about Tunnel of the Mouth, which is the brand new album, yep. which you recorded in your living room in That's right. Twickenham, yep. which we'll yep. talk about in a moment. But I'd like to go back to the early days, just to start with, if I may. Yep. You said in that Melody Maker advert all those years ago, before you joined Genesis, that you were determined to strive beyond existing stagnant music forms. I'm wondering if that's still a driving force for you. It is. Uh, it's a funny thing. Um, in the days when I was with Genesis, we didn't realise that what we were doing was eventually going to be called progressive music. We just thought we were making songs. Yes. And some of them were very long. Some of them went on a whole side of an album. Uh, but some of them were just three minutes long. So there wasn't any kind of preconception about it. Um, but I was definitely interested in working with a band that were going to incorporate aspects of classical stuff and jazz and orchestra and and not just be you know a three chord trick really so that's my roots yeah excellent it's also you also um you more or less had a propensity for musical extremes if i may say so and that seems to yeah. be the case on a new record as well well you've yes. certainly not lost that yeah that's right yeah where I does that come from it's a very good word, isn't it? I, I am a musical extremist um i can be negotiated with unlike terrorists but um uh I, well, with the guitar alone, I always look for the corners of the instrument, really, and try to make it sound yeah. Yeah. very often not like the guitar and be recognisable. And, and again, back in the Genesis days, um, they didn't really want a hero to play with them. They wanted accompaniment and little bits of shading and bits of delicacy. So, Which um, you became very well known for, of course. Well, you know, I, I, I did that, but... They wanted someone who could play acoustic guitar as much as, as, as um, electric, and um, uh, so I love 12-string work and I love yeah. nylon, and um, I really love all music, which makes me a kind of mongrel, really, as well as an extremist, and um, uh, I, I just can't sit still. I, I, you know, I mean, all right, there's a track like Still Waters, which is basically uh, the nearest thing to a, a straight blues track. Gospel blues. <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, it was slight sort of gospel influence, but um, if I'd have done a whole album of that, I suspect uh, people that have bought other albums, fans, um, would probably say, yeah, but what about your other stuff, and what about this, and what about that? So yeah. um, uh, whenever I've tried to channel it into one direction, people always say, well, yeah, but, um, you know, the real you means you sort of do this kind of travelogue and go to lots of different places, and we want to go there with you, hopefully. Um, I'd, I'd yeah. like to go back to the quote about uh, probably the best album ever recorded in a Twickenham living room, which you, oh. which you said. As a consequence of that, though, is, is the album greatly influenced by the use of the technology that was used to record it? Well, it is, yeah. It's, um, uh, in, in, a way, in a way, it's harder to play live albums that have grown up in the computer. I always think um, albums that were written in... Um, rehearsal rooms yeah. and I don't mean to call that an outmoded institution even though we've got the technology that yeah. allows you to bypass that uh, things that are, that are designed in the computer whereas at one time you would have gone uh, yeah we've got two tracks that the band on one, vocals on the other or the guitar on the other 
Uh, now it's it's limitless, and I got up to not with this album, but the, its predecessor. I got up to about 212 tracks on on one track because we had three different um, rhythm sections at one point and um, a, a, a sort of big brass band and uh, and an orchestra and and this and that. Um, and so um, there are no limits, really. I can't help it, you know. I, I, and the guy that I work with, uh, Roger King, even though sometimes I'll try and do something, I think it's a very simple track. And he'll say to me, yeah, well, you know, we, it's eaten up all the computer memory and we're on to something else. You know, hang on until I sort that out. So we're always up against whatever technology has been available, whether it was 24-track or a synclavier or any kind of, yeah. of, of thing like this. It's always, we've always pushed it to the limit. Now, did you establish a kind of working relationship with Roger in advance? Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, well, Roger and I have done lots and lots of different albums together so, um, uh, and, and lots of different styles. So um, uh, he's, he's just been great, of course. He's, he's a total genius. He's a kind of mixture of, of you know, J.S. Bach, a wonderful engineer. Um, he's kind of like my George Martin in a way, you know, um, uh, arrangements are done on the back of an envelope and it's there in the media oh, and yeah. sometimes we, we flesh them out on computer and then get people in to do it but it means that uh, you know you, you end up turning sketches or demos into uh, the real thing the real thing yeah the real thing with real people and you've always seemed to be interested in, in, in concept of sounds and moods as much as you, as you have of some structures um, and you seem to have carried that into the new album again yeah, you've got, you got a feeling of movement in there and different changing moods and nuances. Um, yes, I think uh, you know there might be one track like Emerald and Ash, where we started out with the idea of a little bit of um, Russian ballet orchestration, very very light, yeah, as light as a souffle, um, little tinkles and um, yeah. little noises in order to set that kind of. Swan Lake-like beginning to um, a song that talks about, um, well, something that you think's love that's gone, gone astray and gone awry and been had, blah, 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 uh, the femme fatale. Right. Uh, and I've got um, also uh, Anthony Phillips, who was my, my predecessor in Genesis, on 12-string on that. Oh, so so it, that goes through a number of moods, and um, it's basically a ballad. And then it goes demonic right at the end of it. Get ready to rock radio. On, on the press for the for the new record, you've also said uh, I've made a lack of an identifiable style my calling card. Mm. And yet, really, tell of the mouth, you've got prog in there, you've got fusion in there, world music, classical music, blues. Yep. We've talked about. Yep. Yep. And then surely that is your style. It's the fact that you, what you mentioned earlier, the fact that you move from one to the other, but actually do it within one song as well as. A whole album. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, uh, sometimes within whole whole songs, uh, um, uh, Tony Stratton Smith used to say, you know, it was both my strength and my weakness the fact that I would do that. But at the end of the day, it's I always figured you have to take people on a, on a, on, a, on a journey with with a song, and uh, they were almost like films for the ear rather than the eye. Certainly in, in a sort of pre-video era, and people say, you know, the music is, is very very visual. But then, of course, I grew up in the sixties, and you've got endless amounts of colour coming out of um, the music then right yeah when you know people were buying you know you, you go along to a shop that sold washing machines and you know in a, in a back room you'd find a cardboard box with a bunch of albums all slung together and that was how music 
No. Was was sold as laughable now, isn't it? You know, oh, it's, it's, it's completely it's, changed. Yeah. But do, do you think sometimes that you have to lead your audience to, to literally lead them to new aspects of music? Obviously, you're exploring all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Are you ahead of your audience? That's the question. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, classical would be a, the classical. Classical, yeah. yeah. No, I, now I, I like to think I haven't forced classical down anyone's throats. Really, I, I think um, you know I've done some classical albums, and if people want to buy that, that's fine. Um, but then I've done things where, I, where I've mixed it and used nylon guitar, introductions to, to things uh, like Blood on the Rooftops and yep. um, uh, Horizons. But um, uh, I suppose, I, again, in an era like the 60s, where um, bands like Jethro Tull, you know, obviously a lot of these bands, and Richard Thompson, you know, Airport Convention, you had guys who had one foot in folk and they had a foot in... In classic, and even if they weren't trained, there were obviously there was a lot of respect for all these, for all these different forms and all genres. these different sounds, yeah. different genres. Yeah, acoustic music, although I absolutely love it, you can only take it up to a certain right. energy level. Yeah. It seems to me. Yeah. But there's of course, obviously there's a whole world in that, and I'm not yeah. denigrating it. I wouldn't dream of yeah. decrying it. When I first heard Segovia playing yeah. acoustic guitar, who you paid homage to, of course. I have paid homage to, yeah. And, and what was the name of that album again? Segovia plays Bach. Yes. That one, yes. yeah, I did an album called Tribute. That was kind of um, Segovia plays Bach. Um, the, the album that I did, which was originally going to be—that's right—going to be dedicated to yeah. him was called Tribute, and then I dedicated to a whole bunch of composers people, yeah. that I yeah. that, that I love. Get ready to rock radio. It's got a very strong melody for that, of course. I think it does. Yeah, I think it's got a, a, a strong, a strong melody. Yeah, it's funny you'd say that. Uh, um, there's, I mean, well, I, I, I loved uh, Procol Harum, and I think if ever a band used orchestra well, it was them, yeah. and had unusual lyrics, yeah, all sorts of things. I, I love Procol and Gary's voice, of course. And you, 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 you mentioned uh, the amazing range of sounds that you get from the guitar, and of course you do that again on the, the track called Chillhead, yeah. where the guitar almost sounds like a keyboard and all kinds of things. Yeah, well... Um, Again, I, I think where I got on board in about 1971 when I start, first started making professional albums, um, we used to do this thing whereby we thought, wouldn't it be great if people couldn't tell what was keyboard and what was guitar? And that became the calling card, I think. Um, I used to do it with Tony Banks, we used to twin lead things and play fast together with tapping. And, um, um, that was the chart chasing, of course. Yeah, yeah it, it, that's right. Yes, I, I was in love with that idea. It, again, um, I, I know I seem to be harping back to the early days of Genesis, but when I first heard uh, an album that they'd done before I joined, which was um, Trespass, um, I listened to this sound and, and I couldn't tell if it was keyboards or guitars. And I found out later that it was uh, maybe three or four twelve strings all playing at once. And when they're all tinkling away, and some of them are put through Leslie cabinets and mic'd up differently. Um, it sounded like a little sort of little orchestra of, of, of harpsichords, and it was a sound that, that the band had. And so I continued that that line. So when I first joined them, and we did this track called Musical Box, I thought that was making the sound of a musical box. I could do that with very speed guitar, slow down to half speed, play it very slowly, speed it up, and it's all very tinkly and all those little gentle sounds that you know. I, I guess I don't think the guitar is all about. Screaming. I mean, I like to torture it too, and make it wail. But um, 
it's almost a role of much more producer. In fact, oh, funny that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I used to think that that that, that um, Genesis needed a producer <laughs> in the early days, and I took it upon myself to um, yeah. say all sorts of things that I, I, I if I'd have thought about keeping my job, I would have kept, kept my my mouth shut. But I thought. Maybe they'll respect me for trying to make it stronger. So I had no, I had nil diplomacy in, in, in those days. And I just used to, if I saw that something was wrong, I used to say, you know, I think we could make, make this better. Right. And I, used to, I thought I was only going to stay for about a year. I thought I'll stay for a year and then right. I'll get the boot. And I ended up stay, staying for maybe six or seven. Get ready to rock radio. And I think in those days, um, in a pre-punk sort of era, where musicians used to basically embrace everything rather than try, try and tear it all down. I, I think it was interesting. Yeah. Well, it was. It was. Yeah, it's not like my team's great. The rest of the crowd, no, no. sucks. Um, it was uh, very much. And and also, you see, I used to listen to Bach and blues and um, the MJQ yeah. and um, modern jazz quartet. That's yeah, that, about a few years. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is. But you know, that attracted a lot of attention at that time, the idea of player-based mediums. I mean, it's just as healthy, I think, to be a blues player yeah. as it is, you know, because it's a player-based medium, no, I think. So. Um, even though that, okay, you say that's very simple music, um, but um, but then Bach, that plainly is probably the most complicated music then anyone can do, it's nice to try and embrace it all, I think. Again, getting back to, to the new record, you, you've got, we've talked about different stars within one song, let alone the whole album. Fire yeah. on the Moon is an example of that. It starts a kind of quiet, loud dichotomy. Yep. A really interesting dynamic. Quick uh, change of tempos, different guitar textures. Um, yep. And there's also the kind of things like Nomads, which is a very interesting piece. It's very impressionistic. You've got this feeling of landscapes and movement. Is that, is that kind of... Well, that's what were you true. Thinking of when you did that? Yeah, uh, um, with that one. In fact, I was writing the, the, the lyrics to that with um, with Joe, my, my partner, yeah. and um, um, she was saying to me, "Oh, I went to these um, caverns, you know, in, in Andalusia, where the gypsies played and, and danced." Yeah. And she said, "You know, why don't you say in the lyric, 'I'll take you to the caverns'?" And I thought, "Well, that's yeah. that's too specific." And then I tried doing it. And I tried singing it, and it worked very, very well yeah. as something sung. So it was, yes, a romance of place again, and the whole flamenco idea that, that, that you get this tremendous energy from uh, that whole kind of world of dance and, and, um, and music. And then I thought, but I don't want to sit still there, so what yeah. I'm going to do is establish all of that, the beachhead of all of that, and the dancers and the stomping and the yeah. hand claps and the castanets. But beneath the blur of all that, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if it, then it goes up a notch yeah. to another level of energy and goes electric and you get this drum kit steaming in. Yeah. Get ready to rock radio. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back to some of your previous work as well, sure. just, just briefly, because uh, we're going to play some of these tracks on the show. When you recorded Please Don't Touch, which was a departure, well, would you say it was a departure from what people expected from you at the time? Well, I was trying... At that stage of your career... Yeah, I think um, high tech pop. High tech. Maybe it was. Yeah, I was trying to do something that was very different from the stuff I'd done with Genesis. I wasn't trying to make a progressive album. Uh, I wasn't trying to do something that was too gothic. No. Yeah, there are pop songs on it. Um, there are moments of sort of loungy jazz, and um, 
the old love song. Yeah. But um, uh, that's when I sort of hit on the idea of trying to make every song very different to every other song. And um, I thought perhaps another team or another group yeah. can play each track. Yeah. Um, and um, I suspect that it, at the time it didn't go down quite as well as the first solo thing that no. I'd done. So uh, the thing that changed that was forming a band going out playing that material because plainly I couldn't have all those special guests go out and tour. So anyone who's thinking of making an album departing the, the usual sort of band and they're going to yeah. work with all these famous pals, you think, yeah. yeah, you can do that, but then can you tour it? So no. um, you, you immediately run into identity crisis yeah. after that. Spectral Mornings, would you say that was the album that defined, defined your style at that time? Yeah, I, I, I Stepping out as a solo artist and developing your own career? i tell you what it was, I think having my own band and realising that this band had managed to play a material from stuff that they'd never played on before, right. and then I thought it was their chance to try and um, impress themselves on, on it, on, on the album. So once the shackles were off, they were allowed to be themselves. I mean, a lot of them were very, very funny and had a great sense of humour, yeah. lots and lots of ideas, and we just had this incredible party in um, Holland where it was, again, it was, it was freezing with frozen lakes, and uh, we were completely out of our brains the whole time. But it, it, but it sounds like a very cohesive, and it's a very happy memory for me. We partied and we made music at the same time. Get ready to rock radio! And the effect was pretty much the same. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty okay. much. And no, following on from that, of yeah. course, by 81 you did Cured. Yeah. Now, was that actually a stab at commercial success? Was that the well, I think the that record company leaning on you at that point? I think, I think that, uh, yes, the record company were leaning on me. Uh, and um, uh, I was having to sort of justify myself at that point. And, um, and also finances were tight. Right. Um, so I made an album that maybe I would say I would probably distance myself from that quite a lot now and say that's not the kind of album I would make now although the similarity is that it was made by basically by a two man team and right. occasionally we got in other people rather like the latest one but technology has moved on so much that um, uh, absolutely I, I, which brings us um, back to the new record of course yeah you? yeah it's 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 different and there are loads of people on, on the new but album of course the thing we have to think about is is the actual environment that you're recording all these things yeah. the fast changing music scene the changing technology all that sort of stuff yeah uh, and in that respect till we have faces yeah uh, which which are kind of brazilian in, of course you were down in, in brazil yeah. when you recorded oh, right, some yeah. of that i think yeah. um, were you disappointed with the response to that when you put it out um, well, I was signed to Lamborghini Records for a couple of albums, and then it, it ended up getting sold on from, from oh, deal right. to deal as a, as yeah, a catalogue yeah, item. Yeah. But um, um, it had kind of touched on, on world music, and then yeah. Pete Gabriel phoned me up and said, I guess you're Mr. Brazil, so where should I go if I want to go and record down there? And I put him in touch with, with one or two people. But, you know, we had the equivalent of a samba school. I don't know if you're familiar with this expression, samba school. Right where they have um, hundreds of drummers, literally, all playing in the carnival, right. but they, they create that in studios as well by, well, by overdubbing. But, yeah. you know, the emphasis yeah. is, on, is on the drum, and, and that was really what that album was all, right. was all about, really. And, of course, after that, you, you formed the supergroup, GTR, I think yeah. that, that's the chronology of it, and got your good profile in the States. 
And yet it was yeah. a project that you seemed to walk away from, relatively speaking, quite quickly. Well, we, I, I think that there, there are several things. We had a hit album in, in the States, a bankrupt company in England. Right. And um, uh, also, I think when two guys that are well-known come together to do something, you've got, it has novelty value. And uh, I didn't understand this back in the days of Blind Faith. I couldn't understand why there was only one album made. We thought they got to ride off into the sunset together. Yeah. But of course, from the inside, you realise what all those pressures are. You know, whatever yeah. position that album reaches in in the charts, that's going to define where it goes after that. So yeah, we had we had a, um, an album that got to number eleven in the American charts. Yeah, was couldn't quite get into the top ten, yeah. but it was a gold album nonetheless. And um, uh, Lots of great jam sessions with Steve Howe. Lots of it didn't make it onto the record. I started working on it in 1984, oh. uh, 85, it came out in 86, yeah. I think. And um, when you're immediately corporately answerable to your sponsors, um, and in our case it was Clive Davis and Arista Records, who did a phenomenal job um, uh, of breaking the album yeah. in the States. Uh, but at the same time, there was that feeling of, you know... Um, you can't just do what you want, so um, maybe not both hands tied, but one hand tied behind no, the back. Okay. And you followed that with a classical album, uh, classical guitar album, Momentum, and you said at the time it wasn't designed with marketing in mind, and I, I wonder if, if there's always been that tension between what you actually wanted to do and what your label at the time wanted you to do. Um, well, there were certain eras uh, where, um, as I say, around about a GTR time, um, not just the band that I was in, but all the bands. Yeah. Basically, there was this emphasis on suddenly it was the single is everything, the album is nothing. Again, you started out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I've started out life as an albums artist. That was yeah. that was what people wanted to sign, and suddenly you know you've got a character act um, into into something else. Um, so, but I but in a way I wanted to do something which was less driven by by all those considerations so there are no props oh, so, yeah. it's just back to back to the guitar and um, that's what I've done every now and again I've stripped it right back to the guitar so you say okay if you think I'm I'm a sort of Is what's this? the word you were saying yeah. excess yeah. creature of yeah. Yeah. Excess. I'm, I, I don't think I'm and I think also around about that time you did feedback 86 but it didn't yeah. actually come out for another 10 years now. yeah I know it was it was all star project yeah, it was an all-star project that, that eventually saw the light of day, you know, um, practically a decade or more yeah. after it, it had um, been put together. But that's just... Um, the problems of having different people on the album and getting them signed up. Well, um, uh, the, the politics of yeah. the fact that, um, again, that was created in an era before artists had their own labels. So um, uh, there's always this aspect of no matter how long you've been in the business, you've got a choice. Either you go auditioning your ideas to multinationals or even independent labels um, or you do it yourself so you know yeah. you'd be your own A&R man and all you've got to do is please the immediate team that, yeah. that make that record uh, and then you did your blues album Blues with a Feeling which was a yep. very enjoyable diversion uh, is it true that you once saw Paul Butterfield playing in Twickenham? I did to about 20 people incredible are you a Butterfield fan? oh absolutely East West yeah. East West is, is, is fabulous seminal and uh, what an incredible harmonica player yeah who gave every guitarist a run for his money, that fantastic distorted harmonica thing with all those yeah. vibratos and bends. And the funny thing is, he used to jam after hours with Jimi Hendrix. No one ever thought of recording it. No. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, that there was 
so much there. That sort of that whole clique of of of, of Dylan and Mike yes. Bloomfield, yeah, Mike Bloomfield, great, and Elvin Bishop yeah. and, and Paul Butterfield. And still around, and I, it was a most incredible gig, if I could wax eloquent about that. Yeah. Because most bands that, that would be on stage playing to... It basically, it was like an enlarged pub, the Eel Pie Hotel. Uh, there were only about 20 people there. But Shall the I? show they put on, yeah. oh my God, they just... As if it was Wembley. ...floored everybody. Yeah. As if it was Wembley. If only Wembley had ever seen anything that great that ever, good, yeah. ever in its life. And almost two to form, you, you went off on it in different tangents again and did the incredible The Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. That was a big step up, I guess, as your role as a composer. Did, did you feel yeah. it was a daunting project at the time, or was it one that you had on the back boiler for quite Again, a while? Again, it was, yes, it was. It was uh, uh, stuff that I'd had on the shelf for about ten years, and then suddenly EMI were interested in doing something. Yeah. Um, and all those ideas, I realised I could, I could orchestrate them and probably talk them into it if there was a concept. And every time I'd done an acoustic piece, I kept thinking, a Midsummer Night's Dream would be nice for this. No, Shakespeare's done it, you can't do that, it's been had. But then I thought, well, why not do the whole story? Do the whole story, do, do the whole thing and, and, mm. and, and make that work. And luckily they bought that and it worked for Classic FM. It's very nice. To go, they got behind it. Which of course started not long before that. So that was exactly. Yeah. Nice. So it was right. You know, that's that, that's that funny thing. You know, you can be right at the wrong time, but if you hit the, the zeitgeist, yes. uh, you can you can do well with something that the, the, the previous week people were saying, forget it, mate. You're not going to happen. Dark Town, uh, moving on swiftly, was a very personal and autobiographical record, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, again, we yep. a labour of love. Was that again one you had? on the back burner for a while, or was that something you needed to do there and then? Yeah, I think um, uh, some of the tracks have been around for five years or so, like right. The Golden Age of Steam. I didn't know where to put that, because um, um, I was auditioning to labels that were saying, well, whatever age I was then, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm 59 now, um, but then back in the, the sort of 90s, um, you know, people are saying, um, you know, well, he's been around for a bit, you know. Whatever else you can be, you can never be new. Right. Obviously, if you've got your own label, yeah. you're not really running into all that sort of, um, all those all those problems. I'm a perennial act. I, I always come back for more. Glutton yeah. for punishment. I just love it too much. And there was a four-year yeah. gap before To Watch the Storms. Yeah. Which was with studio albums. And then you did Metamorphosis, or Metamorphosis, I must pronounce that correctly, which again was a hugely ambitious piece, nylon string, guitar and orchestra. Yeah, I guess it, it followed on from Summer's Night's Dream in some respect. Yeah, in, in a way that I, I think of them as twin together because um, they're about the same thing, which yeah. is uh, nylon guitar and orchestra, which always sounds great. I mean, if you think of Concerto de Aranjuez and Rodrigo and all of that, and, and even if you're not familiar with that, that music, if, if you listen to classic FM, any one particular day you'll hear it four times a day because it's just it's so popular yeah, yeah. so there's that sort of thing I mean and I always noticed I must say that whenever there was something with nylon guitar and, and, and strings going I noticed that usually women would say this sound this, this is beautiful I love this kind of music so you know it's always been a seductive and that's for, that's for the women and almost and almost for the yeah. guys you came up with wild orchids when well, you started shredding again well, that's the funny thing, isn't it? I, I, I think, you know, most of my audience is, is, is blokes. So for some reason, I'm, uh, um, I come up with all this romantic music that, that blokes really like. So maybe it's that, you know, not being afraid of your feminine side. 
Well, um, there's, there's plenty of everything in the new record. I, I think it's the one that really does define you. I mean, Spectral well, Mornings set, set you on the path all those years yeah. ago, and I think you've come... And hopefully this will uh, open lots more doors, Steve. I really hope so, thank you. Um, you're going to do a tour when does that start? Yeah, well, it's already started, to be no. honest, but we, we, we are doing a British tour um, <coughs> around November in this country. And what's the date for the Shepherds Bush Empire? For oh, November the 14th. November the 14th. Yeah. This is Pete Feenstra, GetReadToRock.com. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, Steve you too, Hacker. Pete. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. And goodbye. Get Ready To Rock Radio. Music you want to hear. The future of classic rock radio here today. Sounds good to me. This is Get Ready to Rock Radio.